are you ready to get into the Word of God? All right, let's let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We ask that as we share your word today that you would help us to say what it is that you'd once said, that you'd prepare the hearts of the people to hear what it is the Spirit of God is saying through your holy written word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. At the end of the service today, we're going to... uh, receive communion. Now, if you're visiting, we receive communion here about every six weeks, unless the Lord would direct us to do it more often. Sometimes he does. But unless he directs us specifically, uh, we receive communion about every six weeks. And uh, there's no set time on how much you should do it or or, you know, anything of, uh, along those lines in the Word of God, you know, some people I know privately receive it every day, and, and that's fine. But here's a church, we do it about every six weeks. Uh, some churches do it every Sunday, that, that's fine. You need to realize that receiving communion does not save you. Do you, you understand that? It's, you're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, receiving communion is something that you should do, and... Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see some of the things that 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 take place as communion is received or should take place. First Corinthians eleven verse twenty. Notice in, as we read here. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's supper? So we've come together here as a church, and we're going to eat the Lord's supper. For in eating, now Paul the apostle was writing to the church in Corinth, and uh, for in eating. Each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. This was a rough church. Now, it really, it really was. It really, it really was a rough church. You know, um, it made me think of the time years ago. Uh, anybody ever hear of the Keel Auditorium down in St. Louis? Anybody ever hear that? And they used to have wrestling matches down there. And uh, I went to a couple of them, and... Uh, now, that's an interesting crowd, okay? But, but uh, sometime later, there was a, a televangelist that was at the Keel Auditorium, and I went down. This is back in, the, in like 1980, right in there, 81. And I was still in high school. And I went down to, uh, to see the televangelist, and, and uh, I know that there's a big crowd at the door, you know. And I'm thinking, well, once they open the doors, you know, everyone, all these Christians are going to go in, you know, just real orderly. And we're going to prefer one another and love one another. And, and uh, when they open that door, I tell you, that crowd was far worse than the crowd I saw at the wrestling match. I mean, those Christians went in there and they were stomping on one another and pushing one another, trying to get the front row seats. And uh, uh, so I had my first experience with uh, with an unruly Christian bunch. But this church in Corinth was uh, uh, was 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 an interesting an interesting bunch. And um, but how many of you know God loves interesting people, doesn't He? You know, unruly people. And this was an unruly church. And Paul had a dickens of a time getting them in, in order and in line. But uh, they would come together for the communion and uh, they would actually, some of them would come and they, they would eat all the communion meal. 
And then some people didn't have, there wasn't any food left, there wasn't any bread left over for uh, others to eat. It's like, have you ever been in a smorgasbord line at a church or something and somebody just piles it on, piles it on, then there's no food left for everybody else? Have you ever seen that besides me? And so uh, that's kind of what was going on here. I mean, can you imagine when, when the ushers passed the, the bread around, the, the little crackers around here in a little while, if, if I just took all of them when it came past me and then there wasn't enough to go around? Well, that's what was going on in this church. And then also, too, they, uh, now we use grape juice, but they used wine. And uh, they'd get so, they'd just start drinking, drinking the wine that some of them, didn't the Bible say they'd get drunk? Is that right? Can you imagine that? But that's what was going on. And, uh, and then verse 22, he says, What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? For I receive from the Lord... Now, this is Paul continuing on. He said, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in what? Remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till what? Till he what? Till he comes. You know he's coming again, isn't he? And, and, and that's kind of what I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to center in on today, is talk a little bit about the coming of the Lord. Now when you receive communion, you, you can go a bunch of different ways with it. But this is how I think he wants me to go today. And talk a little bit about the coming of the Lord. But let's finish reading this before we do that. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Well, I don't want to be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, do you? But let a man or a woman, let a person examine themselves and so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That actually means uh, to die untimely, or Dead and shouldn't be. Dead out of the will of God. That's pretty serious talk, isn't it? For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. But that, what that really means, study it out sometime for yourself. It means many have, have died un, untimely. They're, they've died and they, should, they didn't live out their full lives. This is a serious thing that we're doing here when we receive communion. But notice verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we be not condemned with the world. So as I said, I want to talk to you about 
the coming of the Lord. And we'll conclude up the message with giving each of us a time to judge ourselves. Because didn't the Bible say if we judge ourselves, we'd what? Not be judged. Now, concerning the coming of the Lord, go with me, if you would, to Revelation, the 19th chapter. You need to realize that the Lord Jesus is coming again. And uh, when you talk about the second coming, a lot of people... Uh, get the second coming of the Lord confused with the rapture of the church. Has anyone ever heard of the rapture of the church? And and we'll read it to you from Scripture here in just a moment. But there's a difference between the two. The second coming of the Lord is where the Lord actually, the Lord Jesus actually comes back from heaven. How many of you know after he was raised from the dead, he went up into heaven, didn't he? Didn't the disciples see him go up on a cloud and, and the angels... Standing by the disciples said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? This same Jesus that's gone up from you today will so come in like manner. How many remembers that? And so, so the time will come on out in the future uh, when the Lord will come back. He will set his feet upon the Mount of Olives over there in Israel. And the mountain will split and so on and so forth. And, and he'll set up his... Uh, his his earthly kingdom and he'll reign for a thousand years and called the millennial reign of Christ and we could we could talk about that for a while but that's the second coming where he actually sets his feet down upon the earth and then he sets up his millennial reign but 7 years approximately 7 years prior to that and the reason it's 7 is because there's going to be a 7 year tribulation period here on the earth such as the earth has never seen before and uh, prior to that seven-year tribulation and the second coming, the second coming, before that, the seven-year tribulation. And just before that tribulation, I believe the Bible is very clear that there's going to be a rapture of the church. Now, the word rapture, though it's not found in, in the Bible, the, the word rapio, Greek, rapio, it's not found, but the event is, and, and so that's why it's called the rapture, taken from the Greek word rapio, which means to be, real loud say this, say caught up. Caught up. Now, now when you start talking about the rapture of the church, it means that the church is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So that's the difference between the second coming and the rapture. The second coming is where the Lord comes back and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives and sets up his millennial reign, but prior seven years Before that is a tribulation, and right before the tribulation is the rapture of the church. Now, when you start talking about the rapture of the church, uh, so many people have so many different thoughts on the rapture of the church. You know, some people don't even believe there's going to be a rapture. You know, some people then will argue that, well, does the rapture take place before the tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation? And so there's just so much confusion on the on the rapture. But I think the Bible is very clear that the rapture of the church is going to take place prior to the tribulation period. Isn't that wonderful to know that God is going to get us out of here before the really, really bad the really bad stuff takes place. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God a good God? He's a good God, isn't he? And I could stand up here for an hour and give you reasons why uh, the Bible, why I believe that from the Bible. But having said that, let's go to Revelation chapter 4. 
Or, well, I, I need to read 19 to you. We didn't do 19 yet, did we? Well, let's do that. <laughs> I get so caught up in, in explaining this. Revelation, Revelation 19, 11. Now I saw heaven open. This is John. He said, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes, and makes war. That's talking about Jesus here. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Well, we know that's Jesus, right? And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Well, there's another verse of Scripture in another book of the New Testament says, Behold, he comes with ten thousands of his saints. So we're going to come back with him at the end of the tribulation in the second coming. He's going to be riding a white horse and we're going to be riding white horses right behind him. So go get you some riding lessons if you don't know how to ride a horse. You know, I say that jokingly. but, but So how are we going to come back with him from heaven if we didn't get to heaven? How did we get to heaven seven years prior in the rapture before the tribulation? You okay? Am I making this clear enough? Are you all right? So notice here again, verse 14, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That's, that's the word, see that's symbolic, that's the word of God. The word of God is like a sword. That with, uh, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe, and he has on, on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and what? Lord of Lords. That's Jesus, isn't it? So now, that, now that's at the end of the tribulation period. That's called the second coming when he comes back. But prior to that, seven years prior to that, go if you would to Revelation 4 verse 1. This is prior to the second coming. Now, you're in Revelation chapter 4. If you were to read Revelations chapter 2 and 3, and we've done that, we've gone through that in the past. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 has to do with the church age. The church age. There's seven churches mentioned in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Jesus addresses those churches. Church age. We're in the church age right now. But, but, but the church age ends ends in Revelation 4.1. And notice what happens in Revelation 4.1. After these things I looked... After what things? After the church age concludes. And we're living right at the end of that right now. Right where you and I are living. Right at the end of that, that church age. And I could talk for hours on why that is. But, but, but just take my word for it. We've covered that in years gone by. After these things I looked and behold the door standing open in heaven. Now John is a type of the church here. And he sees a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a what? was like a what? A trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. See, be caught up. Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And John, of course, is caught up to heaven, to the throne of God. And then if you, if you read the next couple of chapters, you'd see the, the vision that where he saw that vision of the throne of God and he saw Jesus. And then, and then the rest of the book of Revelation has to do with events in heaven, events on earth. But we don't see the church on earth anymore 
We see the church on earth in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3, Revelation 4.1, the church is caught up. And then you don't see it on earth again until Revelation 19, which we just read about, where we come back with Jesus on on the white horses. Isn't that wonderful? So we need to be aware that Jesus is coming again. Real loud say, Jesus is coming again. Yeah, 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 he is. He's coming, the rapture of the church, and then, and then in, the, in the second coming. Now, when the rapture of the church takes place, let me give you a little more information on what's going to happen. Because I want you to know what's going to happen to you when the rapture takes place. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it. Uh, but uh, usually I use the New King James Version. But it, it'll be a little more clear to you, I think, in the New Living Translation. Look at verse 13. Now this is what's going to happen when the rapture of the church takes place. <clears throat> now notice here. And now, dear brothers and sisters, this is 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Notice believers who have died. Where are all the believers, the believers in the Lord Jesus, where are they now who have died? Well, their bodies are still on the earth, but where are their spirits In heaven with Jesus. The Bible says for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay? So, verse 13 again. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. He's going to bring their spirits back with him. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, The Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Now, won't that be something? Is that what the Bible says? Now, if that wasn't in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing believing that the graves are actually going to burst open and, and, and bodies are going to come out. But that's what the Bible says. I believe it. How about you? So the Christians who have died will will rise from their graves. So the Lord will bring their spirits back with him. Their bodies will be resurrected into glorified body and their spirits will go back in their glorified bodies. Won't Won't that be something? Now notice this. Verse 17. Then together with them. Now we're going to talk about you and me if we're still alive on the earth when the Lord comes. Then together with them. We who are still alive and remain on the earth will be, will be what? Will be what? Caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the... Won't that be something? Then we will be with the Lord forever. That's exciting, isn't it? So encourage each other. 
with these words. That's encouraging to me. How about you? That's encouraging. And then we'll be with the Lord forever. That's wonderful. Now, would you like a little more on this? Let me give you a little more on this. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, it gives a little bit more of what's going to happen to you, your body and my body when this takes place. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Paul again, the apostle, speaking by the Holy Spirit or writing by the Holy Spirit, says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. Won't that be wonderful? How many of you would like to cheat the undertaker? I like to cheat the undertaker. You know what I mean by that? Cheat the undertaker. Have you ever been to a, a uh, to a, a funeral or you saw a body laying in a, in a casket. and I never have liked that too much. I'd like to just miss out on that deal, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But notice here, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We'll not all die. But we will all be what? Transformed. And I think the King James Bible says changed. King James Version. There's one Bible, only one Bible. You understand, but there's some different translations. New King James, King James, New International, Amplified. There's just different versions that, that help us better understand what the Greek words are really saying. But we will all be transformed or changed. Now notice how quick this is going to happen. It will happen, verse 42, it will happen in a what? In a moment, in the blink of an eye. That's pretty pretty quick. An atomic second. Boom. Faster than you can blink your eye almost. In a blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown. See, there's that word trumpet again. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. See, live forever in that, in that glorified body. And we who are living will be transformed, will be changed. Will our body, just faster than you can snap your finger or blink your eye, our bodies will be changed into a glorified body and will be caught up to meet the Lord. Won't that, won't that be something? For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Why is that? Now, again, if that wasn't in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing it. But the Bible says it. Why, do, why, why does our bodies have to be changed? Because we, can't, we couldn't take the presence of God in heaven if our bodies weren't, weren't changed. Do you understand that? So that's what the Bible says. So, so that's what's going to happen at the rapture of the church. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment. Twinkling of an eye will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. See, I just quoted to you what, I, what, I, what we read from the Bible. You okay? How many is looking forward to that? It's an encouraging thing. It's a good thing. But right after the rapture of the church... An interesting event is going to take place in heaven. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. Now how many of you know that when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary some 2,000 years ago, God judged sin in him and, and the heaven hell question was finished at the cross and through the death, burial and the resurrection of Christ. How many of you know that? And so when we 
repented of our sins and believed on the Lord Jesus, received him as our Savior, the heaven-hell issue is a settled deal. We won't have to ever go to hell. We'll be going to heaven because of our faith in Jesus. Now, can you say amen to that? Okay. All right. But there is another judgment that has to do with believers' works. W-O-R-K-S. Works. Now, how many of you know our good works can't get us to heaven? If we're trusting in our good works to get us to heaven, we're going to wind up in hell. Okay? Don't trust in your good works. Trust in the work of Jesus at the cross and through his death, burial, his shed blood, his resurrection. That's what gets us into heaven. That's a free gift. Realize say free gift. It's a free gift. It's the grace of God. But once we've received Jesus and the heaven-hell question is settled for us and we're going to go to heaven because of our faith in him... There is another judgment that believers have to endure, and it's known as the judgment seat of Christ. You see, in the scripture, people that reject Jesus, people that never receive Jesus, they have to stand before the great white throne judgment, okay? But people that receive Jesus never have to stand before the great white throne. That great white throne is a judgment for those who've rejected Christ and they're sentenced to eternity in the lake of fire. That's a bad thing, isn't it? But how many of you know you don't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire? You can receive Jesus, miss that, but there is a judgment you have to stand before, all of us. It's called what? The judgment seat of Christ. And there we will be judged for the deeds we have done in our bodies here on the earth, whether they be good or bad. And I want to share some scripture with you on that, if I may. Go to Romans 14, verse 10. 14, verse 10. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the what? The judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Now he's talking to Christians here. Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Where does this take place at? At the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ happens right after the rapture of the church. And it's a judgment of the believer's works. Do you understand that? And we will have to bow our knee before the Lord Jesus. And we'll have to confess to him and give an account for what we did in our bodies. It's interesting. Uh, do you know that when we serve God here on the earth, that sometimes we get blessed for our service now in this time, do you understand what I said by that? Now, I mean, so the, the good we do, sometimes God blesses us now in this time. But, you know, sometimes, I've watched this over the years, sometimes Christians don't receive the, the, the things they do in secret and the good things they do to help people. And, and, and it looks like they never get rewarded and it looks like, but you know what, the day of reward will come. It may not be here. But if you don't get it here, guess what? You're going to get it there. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? 
And I'd rather get it there anyway. Now, there, the Bible says that there's blessing that God gives us, reward He gives us now in the time we live here on the earth. But greater reward is yet ahead. So if you don't get your reward here, guess what? You're going to get it there. And I'd almost rather get it there because that one's going to be eternal. You see what I'm saying? But same thing is true on the negative side. Sometimes folks think, well, you know, I've been doing such and such and I've been getting away with it and looks like God just isn't dealing with me here and the here and the now. It looks like, folks, you're not going to get, a, we're not going to get away with anything. If we don't repent and straighten up, there's going to come a reckoning day. It's not a heaven-hell issue, but we'll see as we read on here. There comes a day where we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible is very clear. The Bible says sometimes, you know, judgmental things happen to us now in this time. But if it doesn't happen to us now, there is coming a day where it will. Did, did you get what I just said? It's called the judgment seat of Christ. The good news is, is that if there's something going on in your life that shouldn't be going on, I'm talking to Christians now, we can repent and confess those things to God and they'll never come up at the judgment seat of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God a good God? He's wonderful. Now, having said that, 2 Corinthians 5.10, let's go there. If you're visiting today, you'll, you'll see that we, we, we spend a lot of time in the Bible and in, in Scripture. How many of you know that's a good thing, isn't it? Okay. Verse uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the what? Judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to Christians now. This is not a heaven-hell judgment. This is a judgment of believers' works. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You know, it's interesting. Big argument has gone on in the body of Christ over the many years. Theologians have argued, Bible scholars, theologians, they've argued. Who's going in the rapture? Who's going in the rapture? Who's going in the rapture? And some will say that, 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 that you know, all believers are going in the rapture. And some will say that, well, you have to be a believer and you have to be living on fire for God or you're going to be left behind. Well, it's very clear who goes in the rapture. And we read it just a moment ago, but let me bring it out here. The Bible says, The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in who? The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, and the implication is clear, we who are alive and remain in Christ, who goes in the rapture? Everybody that's in Christ. So if you're a believer... Even if there's things in your life that shouldn't be there, you're going to go in the rapture because you're in Christ. Don't ever forget this. Heaven is a free gift. It's by the grace of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Going to heaven has nothing to do with our good works or our our bad works. It has to do with whether or not we have faith in Christ. Are you okay? Are you all right with that? That's comforting, isn't it? Isn't that comforting? We go to heaven by the grace of God apart from anything we do in and of ourselves. Isn't it, that, that's it's wonderful news. Okay? Because the Bible says, let's read 2 Corinthians 5.10 again. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he or she has done. Whether it be good or what? Or what? 
So is it possible that Christians could be doing some bad things and they're going to go in the rapture and make heaven? Certainly. Because heaven's a free gift. That doesn't mean we should live, do bad things, but it is comforting. To, I mean, how many of you have missed it since you've gotten saved besides me? You've missed it. You, and, and, and how many of you right now, your life, your life could be better than it is. You could be doing things better than what you're doing. I'm trying to raise my both feet, my both hands. You know, I could be doing better. Well, well, you know, that that's not going to keep us from going to heaven because we get to go to heaven by the blood of Jesus. But once we go to this judgment seat, that's where God's going to deal with us and reward us for the good and we'll see what happens if there's things that aren't so good. Now notice this. According to what he has done, whether good or bad, verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord... We persuade men. Now the judgment seat of Christ, see, a lot of times people use verse 11 and they, and and they direct it at sinners. Well, the terror of the Lord, the judgment of God, I don't want to fool with that as a sinner. I, I, don't, I don't want to, I mean, that's a bad thing. But this verse is in context of the judgment seat of Christ. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He's talking to Christians here. The judgment seat of Christ, as we'll see, will be a time of great reward, but it will also be a time of great terror for Christians who live lackadaisical, loose, sloppy lives. Did you hear what I just said? It'll be a time of terror. They won't have to go to hell over it, but they will they will lose reward, as we'll see. Notice this. Go to... Let's just talk about it here as I begin to close the message. Now, I'm not closing. I'm just beginning to close. 1 Corinthians. Are you finding this interesting? Is it? Okay. 1 Corinthians 3.11. Let's talk about this a little bit further. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What that's simply saying is, is that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And we've said that, we've made that clear to you. It's a free gift. But now once you're saved and going to heaven, and that's a, a, a done deal, look at verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. So what are you building your life with? Are you building with gold, silver, precious stones? Are you being faithful to God? Are you walking in line with the Word of God? Are you walking in light of the Word of God that you have? Are you walking in love towards your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you sharing the gospel with the lost? Are you, are you faithful in your church attendance? Are you, are you faithful to support the work of God? Are you faithful to pray? These sorts of things. See, those are gold, silver, precious stones, and there's something else. It's not just, are you doing those things? What's the attitude of your heart while you're doing them? Why do you do what you do when you do it? See, these are these, if your attitude is right and good, gold, silver, precious stones. And then there's also what? Wood, hay, and straw. And that's just the opposite. If, if you're, you know, you're loose, lackadaisical in your service toward God and so on and so forth. And, or you're doing, maybe you're doing all the right things, but your heart's not right when you're doing them. You know it's possible to do right things with a wrong attitude. Did you know that? 
See, these are things when, see, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God is going to judge our, the very intents of our heart. You understand that? Now notice this. Verse 13, each one's work will become clear for the day, what day? The day of the judgment seat of Christ will declare it because it will be revealed by what? By fire. Not the fires of hell, but the fires of the judgment seat, the fires of God. And the fire will test each one's, talking about Christians now, each one's work of what sort it is. What do you mean, what sort? Is it gold, silver, precious stones, or is it wood, hay, and straw? What happens when, when fire hits gold, silver, or precious stones? It just refines it, doesn't it? But what happens when fire hits wood, hay, and straw? It burns it up, doesn't it? So the fire of God will test each Christian's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, they will receive a what? A what? A reward. They will receive a reward. Now, going to heaven is a great thing, isn't it? But that's a free gift. That's not what that's talking about. This is talking to Christians who have lived right, who have lived on fire for God, who, who, who love the word of God, who, 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 who enjoyed serving God and so forth and so on. See, if your work endures, you'll receive a reward. It's interesting. I won't go into all of them now because I don't have time. But I will say this. Uh, there's five crowns. Real loud say five crowns. There's five crowns that are going to be handed out at the judgment seat of Christ. They're called crowns of reward. Just real quickly, one crown is going to be given for those who are looking for the Lord's return. How many of you are looking for the Lord's return? That's why I'm teaching this this morning in part, because I want everybody that comes to this church to be looking for his return so that you'll get that, that crown. Won't that be wonderful? And then there's another crown for those who resist temptation and keep their flesh under control. Talking as a Christian now, have you ever been tempted since you've been born again? Have you ever given into that temptation? See, if you've given into that temptation, it, it, we'll see in a moment, it'll cost you. It won't cost you going to heaven, it'll cost you a reward. But if you've resisted temptation, then there's going to be a reward for you. And the good news with God is, is even if you, if you mess up, if we'll repent and confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that'll never come up at the judgment seat of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? For, keep your flesh under control. Then there's another crown for those who endure persecution and hardness and even death. Hardness of, you know, as you're persecuted for living for the Lord Jesus. How many of you know that it, it, there's, uh, Diane mentioned some of them this morning. And it's Mission Sunday. You know, who is it, Andrew Braze or, or some of those missionaries on the mission field? You know, they endure great hardness for the cause of Christ, don't they? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Oh, their reward will be great. But our reward, I mean, has anybody ever made fun of you for serving the Lord? People have made fun of me. And if you endure that with a good and right attitude, there's a reward for that. And then there's the soul winner's crown. The soul winner's crown. I think that's going to be the most beautiful crown. And that's why we encourage you to pass out those tracts, those, you know, with the gospel message. Because I want your crown, I want you to get a soul winner's crown. 
And then there's the, the final one is the minister's crown. There's a crown that Jesus has that he gives only to ministers. And uh, it's interesting, as you study the scripture, you'll see that a minister is judged at the judgment seat of Christ. A pastor such as myself is judged at the judgment seat of Christ more strictly than someone who is not a minister or a pastor. A minister, yes, there's a special crown for a minister, but they get a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment. I'll put it this way, I actually, and I'll just talk about myself, when I go before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to be judged for what I did as a, as, as, as a person, Terry Sheil, I'll be judged for what I did in my private life. And then I'm also going to have to account to the Lord Jesus for what I did as a pastor. And you know, I'm actually, I'll just be as honest as I can with you, I'm more looking forward to that aspect, being judged as a pastor, as being judged in my personal life. I've probably paid more attention to being a good pastor than maybe I have. I mean, there's some things in my life. You can ask my wife. There's some things I say or sometimes I'll, you know, lose my cool here or there. Or I might say something I shouldn't say. Or, Oh, none of you can relate with that though, right? I mean, you're, you all are perfect, right? You, you've never messed up. You're, you're wondering what I, what I, what I say. <laughs> Diane, does he cuss? That's my wife right there. How many of you, you've ever said something you shouldn't have said since you've been saved? Or you've done something you shouldn't have done? Or you've lost your temper or lost your cool? Or you've been judgmental or whatever? How many has ever done that besides me? See, there's things that I've been working on for years. Have you been working on anything for years? It's not a matter of working on it to get to heaven. That's a free gift. I've made that clear. I'm talking, I'm talking about the judgment seat of Christ here. So I, but, but as a pastor, I want you to know, and you can ask my wife, I have given full attention to, to being the very best pastor that I can be. Have I been perfect? No. But I've done everything that I know to do. I can honestly say we've been doing this for some 23 years. And uh, there's never been a member of my church that I've been aware of that's been in the hospital that we haven't visited them. We haven't taken care of them. We've done the best we, we can. There's no, been nobody that's ever been a member of my church that, it, you know, that if, if they needed help help with something financially, you know, that I'm, that I'm aware of or if we could help with a house payment or a car payment. I'm talking to people that attend regular. You know what I'm saying? People that have hooked in here. We've done our very best. I, I'm not doing this to accolade myself. I'm just saying I'm judging myself. I, I, Diane and I, we look at ourselves. Is there anything that we... I, I can honestly say that I, I, I have worked overtime to be sure that the Word of God that comes across this pulpit is pure, that I've rightly divided the word of truth, that I've preached to you the word of God as, as purely as I can. I've done the very best that I can to preach a, 
a, a balanced... See, I'm like a dietitian. As a pastor, I have to feed you a balanced diet. And I've done the very best I can. Uh, I've tried to preach the Word of God to you in balance. I've tried to... Uh, the pro, like the doctrine of prosperity, I've tried to balance that like giving. And, you, you know, you need to be a giver. You also need to be a hard worker. I try to balance those two out. You can't spend more than you make. I, you know, I try to teach you the natural side of things, the spiritual side of things. I try to, like on the, like on the, on, on the, on the goodness of God. How many of you know we emphasize the goodness of God around here? The goodness of God. God is a good God. It's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. We, we emphasize the love of God. We emphasize the grace, the mercy, the, the tenderness, the kindness of the Lord. We do that. But how many of you know the Bible says consider the goodness and the severity of God? How many of you want a balanced diet? I mean, you really do. And, and if all I ever do, you know there are some people, all they ever want me to do is teach the, 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 what we'd call the positive parts of the Word of God. But how I many you know there are some, there is a judgment side. There's the goodness of God and there's the what? The severity of God. And you need, you need a balanced diet on that. Let me ask you a question. If all you ever did was eat cotton candy and that's all you ever ate all the time, how many of you know that you, you might like that a lot better than spinach, but how many of you know the cotton candy wouldn't do you any good in the long haul? Is that right? Pretty soon you'd have worms eating your insides out. Is that correct? Is, is that right? And I've actually had people, they, they want me to always teach just the good stuff, Pastor, just the good stuff, just the good stuff, just the good stuff. I can't be a man of God and just teach you all the good stuff. You need to hear the goodness of God. You also need to hear the severity of God. Did you hear what I just said? You need the balance of it. You understand that? How many of you, you understand that? I, I do my level best. Uh, as far as it's interesting, uh, you know, and 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 I I I, I don't say this to to accolade myself, but and I seldom say it, but I feel impressed to the spirit to say it. You know, um, before I say that, I need to say this. How, how many of you know if there's some some false doctrine going on in the area and it's being propagated by? Uh, uh, media ministries and how many of you know that I as a man of God have a responsibility to warn you of false doctrine yes or no the Bible you'd be surprised if you look into the New Testament into the epistles you will see those are the letters that Paul wrote and Peter wrote and John wrote and so forth you'd be surprised how much is in there warning the church against false doctrine and see, I have a responsibility to do that. And sometimes when you do that, people say, well, you're just being judgmental. No, I have a responsibility to be a good man of God and warn you if there's false doctrine. Do you understand that? I'm talking about the judgment seat of Christ. See, these are the things that are going to come up for me as a pastor. How did you treat your congregation? Did you bilk them out of money? No, I never did. Did you take advantage of them? Did you, did you teach them the word of God? I've done my best. Have I been perfect? No, but I've done my best. But it's, it's interesting. And what I, what I was going to share with you, and I seldom do, I need to do this quick. Are you getting anything out of this? I was sitting at Pasta House some years ago, hand on my shoulder. And I looked up. Do you know who it was? Has anybody ever heard of Rick Shelton? 
built a great church, Life Christian Center, if you're not familiar with him. God's used him to touch a lot, a lot of people. And, he, and I didn't even know he knew who I was. This was some years ago. And I looked up there, he stood, he said, can I speak with you privately for a moment? Well, well, sure. So he pulled me off to the side. And he said, Terry, he said, you probably don't even know that I know who you are. And I said, I didn't think you knew who I was. And he said, I've been watching you. You know, there's a lot of people watching us that we don't realize are watching. And for a man of God like that to be watching somebody like me, it just blessed my socks off. He said, you know, I've been watching you. And he said, uh, he said, I've never seen you do anything unethical to hurt another minister. And he, he said, I've never heard any other ministers ever say a foul word about you. And he said, you know what? That can't be said of very many pastors. And you know what? That blessed me. It really blessed me. It, 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 it helps when people criticize you. You know, people who haven't built anything for God, they haven't even built a chicken coop for God. And they're going to criticize you. But you've got a man like that saying something like that to you. And then in re- more recent days, more recent days, the, the phone rings and it was Mike Shepard. I don't know if any of you know. I seldom talk like this because I don't like to draw attention to myself. But it was Mike Shepard. Has anybody ever heard of Mike Shepard? He's Joyce Myers, one of her main assistants. And he said, uh, he said and, and, and I know him, and, and, and he, he, he said, uh, uh, the Lord has laid uh, a word on Joyce's heart to give to you. Is it okay if I come by and share it with you? And so I said, no, 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 no. I said, certainly, come on over. I'd like to hear what, what the Lord has to say. So we stood right out there in that vestibule out there. And he said, he said, Terry, he said, the Lord has put on Joyce's heart. Now, this is a woman that God has used to reach nearly two-thirds of the globe with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord put on her heart and sent, the, sent Mike over and he said, uh, Lord put on her heart to say to you and your wife that you've been found faithful standing your post. That blessed me. makes all the words of the petty critics just fall by the wayside. When a woman like that hears from God. I'm going to listen to what she has to say over some critic. How about you? That blessed me. And then he handed me a check for $5,000 for the church. Isn't that wonderful? They probably put over $50,000 in this church over the years. The Myers. The Meyer ministry. Just to bless us. I didn't ask for a dime. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I said, isn't that wonderful? I seldom call numbers. I seldom call names. But sometimes you need to hear these things. Isn't that wonderful? And, And you know what? The word that was shared with me was more important than the money. But you know what? There's a greater day coming for me and a greater day coming for you. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we hear... The Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. That'll mean more to me than anything else. Just to hear the Lord say something like that. The crowns will be wonderful, but the words coming from the Master's lips. Let's close with this next thought. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 15. We just talked about the blessing, but now watch this. If anyone's work is what? Burned. 
they will what? See, this is going to be a terrifying time for many Christians. People who have been loose and lackadaisical with the house of God, with the offerings of God, with the things of God. Let me ask you, are you a tipper or are you a tither? Let me ask you about your church attendance. See, you'll be interested to know, I'll never talk to you about your church attendance. The only thing that will happen around here is if you attend regularly and you, you miss several services, we will call on you. We will check up on you. How many of you know that's what a good pastor does? We'll look after you. We'll love you. But I will never hound you about your attendance. I will never get on you. I'll never, because you know what? I just, if you got to beg people and beg Christians to come hear the word of God, I just don't operate that way. But guess what? God keeps perfect attendance. He's going to talk to you about your attendance. He's going to talk to you about your tithing, your giving, your attitudes, your motives. Why did you do what you did it, when you did it? Why did you talk bad about that one? Why did you talk bad about this one? Why did you say something bad about that one? He's going to talk to you about all these things in that day. Can you say amen? It's all going to come up at the judgment seat. And anything that we've not repented of, anything that we've not turned from, anything that we've not put away... And judge ourselves in, we will suffer what? Loss. But he himself will be what? Saved. Isn't that good news? Because heaven's a free gift. Yet so as through the fire, the fires of God. Let me just say this to you as, as I close. Listen. That's why a minister needs to be a flame of fire from the pulpit. You want a minister that is a flame of fire from the pulpit. And I don't necessarily mean that I'm yelling and screaming and going on. How many of you know you don't need to yell and scream? I was a flame of fire today. Why? Because I taught you the word of God. And it should, it should be, well, I hope it was sobering to you today. Because, you see, wouldn't it be a better deal for me to be a flame of fire and let the fire of God, the fire of the Word of God go out and burn the junk off of you down here? Wouldn't that be a better deal to get the junk burned off of you down here? How many of you would rather get the junk burned off of you down here than to have to stand up there and get hit with the fire of God where it will cost you eternally? Because down here, there's still time to repent. There's still time to repent. There's still time to repent. But once you're up there, there's no time to repent. It's eternal then. I've actually watched Christians get mad and angry and and they don't like the fire of God to lap up around them and burn some of the junk off. I'm always glad when the Lord's burning stuff off of me. It doesn't feel good. I don't like it. But in the end, I like it because I know it's for my best. Can you say amen? If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. Good news. Yet so as... Through the fire. So let a person examine themselves. And so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. Apparently there were some people there in Corinth that wouldn't judge themselves. And guess what? Some of them were judged. They got out from under the umbrella protection of God. They got over on the devil's territory. And they were weak and sickly. And some of them the devil was able to kill. Isn't that sad? So let's judge ourselves. What do you say? Ushers, pass out the communion. While they're passing it out, once you get the communion, I want you to just stand. Once the communion goes by, I want you to get your communion. I want you to stand. Once you get that communion, I want you to stand.
I want you to be in an attitude of prayer. I want you to bow your heads before the Lord. And I want you to judge yourself. I want you to judge yourself. I want you to judge yourself. That you be not judged. Don't judge your neighbor. Don't judge the person standing next to you. Don't judge your spouse. Don't judge your children. Don't judge your parents. Judge yourself. And I'll do the same. So once that communion goes by, I want you to, as you hold it there, I want you to just bow your heads in the presence of a holy, holy God. holy time. We're going to receive this and then we'll be dismissed. Judge yourself. If you judge yourself, you'd not be judged. The coming of the Lord is is nigh. The coming of the Lord is at hand. All of the signs that point to His coming are upon us. All the signs have been fulfilled for Him to come. We're living in the season. The Bible is clear of the coming of the Lord. No other prophecies need to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. And the question I have to you today, will you be prepared to meet him at his coming? I'm talking to Christians, people who are already saved. Going to heaven is not the issue. It's will you be prepared to meet him? So if there's something in your life that should not be there, That's between, not between you and me, that's between you and the Lord. And all you have to do is, in your heart, just make an adjustment. Make an adjustment. Make an adjustment. Repent in your heart. Repent means just to have a change of heart, change of mind. It doesn't take long to repent. If your heart's really in it. And then just confess that thing to the Lord. Whatever that is. And the Bible says if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So judge yourself. If we judge ourselves. We'd not be judged. Does that mean we'll not have to stand before the judgment seat? No, we're going to have to stand before the judgment seat. But anything that we judge ourselves in here and now, that won't come up at the judgment seat. I'm just waiting for everybody to get their communion. Uh, uh, I remember, (laughs) I talked about Rick Shelton a moment ago. I remember I was in at a dry cleaners one time. I had picked up a little kid here at the church, and I had one. Of, I had a new suit on. <laughs> this was years ago, and the kid had he had eaten a tootsie roll, and he slobbered it on my new suit jacket. And I had taken it to the cleaners here in the area, and I had taken it 
once they didn't get it out and the second time they didn't get it out they, they weren't doing what they should have been doing to get this stain out of my new suit at least I didn't think so and so I took it the third time <laughs> I took it the third time and they still didn't get it out and the manager was there and I was so angry I was just so so hot angry and I just about gave that person at the dry cleaners a piece of my mind I wonder if anybody's in here has ever done anything similar now I was just about ready to tell him what I thought and I, and I held my tongue I bit my tongue so to speak I, and I just walked in love toward him <laughs> and I turned around and I didn't somebody had come in I didn't know who it was and, and I looked around and Pastor Shelton this was after he had complimented me there at the pasta house he came in and he's standing there and I thought boy I'm glad I didn't tell that person you know I, I'm glad I didn't act ugly towards that, that clerk but you know what Jesus is watching all the time. And now why did I share that story? I I shared it for this reason. Yes, Jesus is watching all the time. But you see, if I had went off on that lady and just, you know, kind of lost my cool and told her what I thought. See, it's that kind of stuff that will come up at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus asked me, why did you do that? Why didn't you walk in love toward her? See, that's what I'm talking about. But you know what? If I had gone off on that lady, if I'd have went back to her and repented and apologized and said, I'm sorry for the way I acted. Please forgive me. And uh, asked the Lord to forgive me. That had never come up in the judgment seat. I remember there was a lady over at Rockwood Bank and uh, I wanted a thing done a certain way. And the, the lady that I always work with, I know both of them, but I usually work with the one lady. She always does what I want it done. She wasn't there that day and I went in and I said, would you do this like Judy does it? And she said, well, I'm not Judy. And I said, okay. I said, <laughs> I said well, I, Judy always does it this way. And she, she said, well, I'm not Judy. Now, she's a nice girl, all right. And so I told her kind of, I told her how the cow eats the cabbage. You know what I mean by that? I was kind of ugly. And uh, I didn't cuss or nothing like that, but I just, I said, well, I'll just wait till, since you're not Judy, I'll just wait till Judy comes back and I'll have Judy take care of it. I wonder if anybody's ever acted like that besides me. And so I got out in my car and the, the Lord arrested me. Now, I didn't have to go back in there and do what I did. But guess what? If I don't repent and make it right, guess what comes up at the judgment seat of Christ? The Lord's going to ask me about that. Why would you treat that lady like that? Why would you do her that way? See? So I got out of my car. I went in there and I said, Ma'am, I said, I treated you very badly. I'm very sorry for the way I acted. I said, I know better. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. Please, will you forgive me? And she said, surely I forgive you. And then I asked the Lord to forgive me. See what I'm saying? These are the kinds of things that's going to come up. You know, a lot of times we think about, oh, did we mess up sexually or did we... Well, yeah, that stuff comes up too. But these other things oftentimes get missed. When we said something about so-and-so behind their back and we shouldn't have. 
or we listened to gossip and we knew the Holy Ghost convicting us on, in our hearts or dealing with our hearts that we shouldn't be listening to this, but we listened to it anyway. And the Lord says his, He's going to bring it up someday. If we don't repent, it will come up at the judgment seat. Why are you taking so much time with this, Pastor? Because I need to. Need to give us all plenty of time to repent. Remember, it's better off to deal with it here than have the Lord deal with it there. And by the way, if you need healing in your body as you receive this, the Lord will heal you just because He's good. Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and hear your word. We thank you 